You are listening to the podcast of Richland Hills Baptist Church. We are located in Richland Hills, Texas. Our desire here is to believe, live, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you're listening to our podcast today, if you have any questions, you can find us on the web at richlandhillsbc.com. God bless you. This morning, we're going to be going through Hebrews still, and we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4. So if you do have your Bible this morning, please open to Hebrews chapter 4, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 11 this morning. There's a story about a Christian, a young Christian man, young man, well, I say young man, he grew up in a devout Christian home. He grew up in a home, again, with a, well, at least a Christian mother, not a Christian father. It was a father that did not believe, but his mother believed. And he knew the truth of Christianity. The message of Christianity was a big part of his life. A very well-to-do family. He was a very intelligent young man. And so because of that, his parents, they, they send him, his father especially, they send him off to some fine education. And he ended up going off, going away to school. But he began to develop his intellectual abilities. And he began to believe that Christianity was not something that could mesh with what he saw to be intellectual. Christianity was simple-minded. It didn't mess with the philosophies that he was learning in his school and the worldviews that he was taught and learned. But not only that, he, he began to experience life outside of the life that he grew up with and he began to live in a very wild way, all sorts of debauchery and all sorts of sinful things, things that he knew were wrong, but he enjoyed them nonetheless. Worldliness, desires of the flesh, lust, and he began to be wrapped up in this immoral lifestyle. If it feels good, do it. That was sort of the motto of his life. He found himself seeking pleasure Above all, that was his basic worldview. Then one day, he again, there was still something wrong inside, right? He didn't fully know what it was. He felt this something wasn't quite right. And he was drawn to read from the book of Romans, chapter 13, verses 13 through 14. And it was in that this young man became a Christian. He understood the message of the gospel. He became one of the most influential Christians of all time. His name was Augustine, or Augustine, some might say. St. Augustine, you've heard of him. Augustine of Hippo, you've probably heard of him before. He wrote that this was over a thousand years ago in the 300s. 
And I want you to see that pattern of a life. Again, you see that play out even now. Think, imagine that. That was so many years ago. But he wrote this line. I want you to remember this. He wrote a book about his conversion called Confessions. He said this. You have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Think about that. Think about the restlessness of our hearts without Christ. This young man, he lived all sorts of sinful things. He was restless, looking for whatever would bring joy, whatever bring fulfillment, whatever would bring happiness. And all these things that the world said would, guess what? They never brought true rest. They never brought true joy. And it's the same way today. There are people, even people that claim Christ, we are are restless, searching for something to fill the void in our hearts, something to bring joy and satisfaction. And what you find in this world, it's, it's like that hamster wheel, isn't it? You're always moving, always running, always trying, but never actually getting anywhere. Never actually accomplishing anything, never getting the rest that you so desire. And so this morning in the book of Hebrews, we're going to speak about rest. That ultimate rest in God. We're going to read Hebrews 4, 1 through 11. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to to them, came, came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them. Because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we have believed, we who have believed have entered that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, Saved through David so long afterward. And the words already quoted. Today if you hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest. God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people 
of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the hope that we have. Help us to see the true rest that we can have in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. This continues from Hebrews chapter 3. And in Hebrews chapter 3 we saw that we have, he was speaking from Psalm 95, quoting from that. And he was showing us again about the rest that we can have. He begins this idea of rest. Verse 16 he says, and onward, and who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? With whom he had provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose body fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. And so this idea is that he's encouraging the people, listen, believe. Believe God. Don't harden your hearts, he says earlier. Don't be an unbeliever. Don't doubt what God is doing. Don't, don't, you'll, don't fall away. Remember, you, you begin with unbelief and then you'll fall away. He says, believe. He says, listen, I, I want you to believe because if you believe, there is a promise of perfect rest. There's a promise of rest for you. And in this chapter, he's going to describe that rest and also show, with, show to us that this rest that we can have is available today. The first way that he describes this rest in the beginning of chapter 4 is that this rest is like the promised land. It's a promised land rest. Remember, God was going to bring them out of Egypt, cross the Jordan, and they're going to be in this land that God had given them. It's this wonderful land, land flowing with milk and honey. This wonderful land. This would be a land of rest and plenty. He says, listen, they... While the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to fail to reach it. Listen, he's, he's going to begin to talk about what happened in the past. For good news came to them. What was the good news? The good news that there was this land that they could have. This new, good news came to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united in faith. What does he mean by that? Do you remember? They come to this land. They send out spies. They spy out this land. Caleb, hey, we can do this. Let's, let's do this. And the others, oh no. We can't do that. You've seen these people? 
And they weren't united in faith. They weren't united in faith. And he says, for good news came, but they, they weren't united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter the rest. As I, as I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And what happened? Those people did not enter into the promised land. Caleb did. Joshua. But the other people, they did not enter into this promised land. They did not get to experience the perfect rest of God. They didn't get to experience it. Why? Because they did not believe. But that was going to be the hope that they had. And so here he says, listen, don't be like them. If you believe, you'll enter into God's rest. What does he mean by God's rest? Well, here again, it's the, the land of plenty, the promised land. But the rest of God is to be in the perfect peace and presence of God. Rest is to be united with Him. Experiencing His presence his peace. He says, listen, you can have that, but you, you have to believe. You can, just like the people, they didn't get to experience it because they did not believe. Will you believe? Will you believe that this rest is possible? You know, it's hard for us to believe. I mean, remember back in numbers where where this was happening remember they they look at the land and they just can't believe that this would be possible the the spies come back and they say listen the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw are great in height they're giants and there we saw the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. But even today, people would say, I, I don't know that that's possible. We live in a very anxious world, don't we? We live in a world with all sorts of worry and anxiety. If you don't believe it, go to Facebook. You'll see it, right? You'll see all sorts of different things where people are anxious and worried and complaining, whatever it is, right? We, do we really believe that true rest, true peace, true joy is possible? Now, we're going to see that there's going to be a peace or rest that we'll have here on earth, but a perfect rest that we'll have in heaven. But nevertheless, it's possible that you and I can enjoy God's peace even here on this earth. Some will say, no way, Pastor. There's too many bad things that are happening. There's, I mean, Pastor, don't you watch the news? There's wicked and evil things. How could we have peace on this earth? We may not have Again, there's going to be sin until Jesus returns. But guess what? You and I 
can enjoy a supernatural peace and rest in the midst of a chaotic world. It's possible. Some say, no, it's like the giants of old. It's too big. It's too hard. It's not possible. It's possible. It's available. And then he speaks of rest like the Sabbath rest of God. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, where he someday spoken of the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again he said, you, they shall enter my rest. He says, listen, rest is also, it's like entering the promised land where we are to give we, this land that God promised us. Even when they entered the promised land, there would still be things that they would have to do, right? But even in the Sabbath rest of God, rest, I want you to hear this, rest is not often what we think about. You see, God rested from His work, but did God step away from His creation after He created everything? Did God create and then when he rested, he turned his back and left? No, you see, God is still active in his creation. Rest does not mean inactivity. Rest is not inactivity. Rest is completion. God completed what he set out to do. And you see, you and I, we can have rest Knowing that we put our faith in Jesus Christ, our hope is secure, is completed, if you will. But as Christians, we're not inactive in our rest, are we? We don't sit back and say, well, you know, I'm a Christian now. I've accepted Jesus. I can sit back and just coast through life. No, you see, that's not the picture of even God's Sabbath rest. Because guess what? We know that God is still sustaining and holding the earth, right? We see that. Remember, Jesus is that creator. And guess what? He's holding all things together. If God was not holding this earth, it would all fall away instantly. He says, listen, it's not inactivity, it's completion. And so this rest is available because of Christ. His completed work in us. If we will trust Jesus, if we will put our faith in Jesus, we can experience that rest. So we see that God's rest is like the promised land, rest is... Is like God's Sabbath. But then we see that rest is available today. So there's two elements to rest. This being in God's presence, His peace. There is one that we can enjoy now. Today. But again, it's going to be a picture of what will be fully available to us in the future. But He tells us. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news. Remember, they didn't 
They didn't receive the good news, so they didn't enter into that rest because of disobedience. He says, listen, there's today. Saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. He says, listen, today is the day to enjoy the presence of God. Today is the day to let go of anxiety and worry and all the different things that hold us back from enjoying peace and presence. And listen, that's a big thing for me to say as a worrier. But it's available. He's saying, listen, today it's available. You can have it. You can enjoy this. I like what one author said. When we enter into the rest, into rest with Jesus, we will find God's presence, His blessing, His peace, but not a cessation from labor. Our rest with God gives us new strength, but it does not introduce unto us inactivity. God's salvation produces people who receive divine energy to serve, obey, and work for Him. Remember, rest is not inactivity, but in there, it's, again, we are divinely empowered, but we also find His presence and His blessing and His peace. And that's available today. Now, in verse 8, I want you to make note of that, and I want you to underline the word Joshua. Because there the author is making a very clever point. It, many of you know this, but maybe not all. The word Joshua in Hebrew is the same word for Jesus. Jesus and Joshua are the same word, Yeshua. It's the same. Jesus, Joshua, same word. Some of you, if you didn't know that, there's that lesson for you. And so it's interesting because he's making a point here. So that lesson, Joshua, if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another rest. What's he talking about? When did God speak of another rest? In Psalm 95. So here's the point of the author. He says, listen, if Joshua really was going to give them rest, then how come in Psalm 95, written hundreds of years later, God say there's another rest. Here's the point. Joshua's rest that he brought them into was an incomplete rest. But there's going to be a new Joshua. There's going to be a perfect Joshua. This is the point of the author here. There's going to be a perfect Joshua. This Joshua brought to an incomplete rest, but there's going to be the perfect Joshua, Jesus. And he is going to bring us in to his rest. So this is when it tells us that there is a future rest. There's a rest for the future. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. There is a rest for the future. There's a rest 
for eternity. When Jesus returns and there's a new heaven, a new earth, and these old bodies are resurrected into new glorious, glorified bodies, he's saying, listen, there we'll have perfect rest. Not in activity. Guess what? Heaven's not going to be just some sort of sitting on a cloud playing a harp. We're going to be active, but in perfect rest. He says, listen, there's a rest for the future. But what's interesting is how do we enter into this rest? Do we, you think about it, this is how people view, view rest now, right? They say, if, if I work really hard, and some of you will find this humorous, if I work really, really hard in life and, and prepare really well, then I can rest in retirement. Isn't that funny? Because some of you say you work harder in retirement than you did before. But that's how people view it, right? That if, I, if I work really, really hard, then I can have rest. But it never really turns out that way. And in the same way, it says, listen, the people that enter into rest are those, these people that, again, laid down. They rested from their works. The people that can enter into God's perfect peace and presence are not people that work really hard, not people that are really religious, not people that do all these things. It's people who laid down their works and trusted God. In so many ways, it's like a child with their parents. Even a child with a grandparent. If a child wants to give you a hug or sit on your lap, you don't say, well, you know, you got you to gotta do a whole bunch of stuff first, right? You got to go out there. You have to, you know, you have to mow the lawn. Now, you wouldn't say that to a little kid. But whatever, right? You have to do this or you have to do that. If a little baby, if a little toddler puts their arms up to you, what do you do? Pick them up. You don't say, listen, you, you didn't do everything you were supposed to do. You No, you. When they're looking for that rest, you give it to them. When they open their arms up or put their arms up, that's a picture of, again, complete trust and confidence in you. That small child never wonders, well, you know, I hope their back's okay and they can hold me. Just pick me up. They trust. Complete, perfect trust. They didn't work for it. They didn't earn it. They believed. In the same way, when we lay down our works, and you might say, well, Pastor, we're supposed to do stuff for God. Yes, but that's not how we enter into His presence. That's not how we enjoy His peace. It's a result, not something we do to earn it. And so he says, listen, you can have a rest. It's like the promised land. It's like God's Sabbath. It's available today, and it's available for all eternity. If you and I will believe, if we will trust 
Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Again, not by works. It's not a striving by works, though. So that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Jesus says this in Matthew. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So listen, rest is available. But, but here's what I want to think for a moment. Why do people not enter God's rest? I mean, if everything that we said is right and true and real, that God will give us His presence and His peace and His joy, and we can experience it here now, but completely and fully in heaven. I mean, who would turn that down? Why would you not want that? Why would anybody not want that? Well, one, it's just pure unbelief, right? People don't believe. They don't believe that it's possible like the people of old, enter into promised land. No, that's not possible. I don't believe God. I don't believe in Him. And so many people don't believe. You might say, well, pastor, what, what's the answer to that? What's the answer to unbelief? I mean, can you convince, convince somebody to believe? No, you can't. Have you ever tried to convince somebody to believe? You just can't do it. It's the power of the gospel. Do you know what you do when someone doesn't believe? You keep praying for them. You keep sharing the message of Christ. And I don't mean in an obnoxious way, beating them over the head. But you keep at it. You don't give up. You keep sharing the message of Christ in, in different ways. Because belief, unbelief doesn't mean that they'll always be unbelievers. Because guess what? At one time, you didn't believe. And I didn't believe. At one time, you and I were unbelievers. But the message of the gospel, the message of hope, what does it do? It transforms our hearts. It makes us receptive to believe. So it's never too late. If you know somebody that doesn't believe, don't give up. Keep after them. But why else don't people believe or enter into God's rest? One, unbelief. Two, disobedience. You see, there are people that, there are even Christians that know God's rest. They've, they've believed it and they've experienced it. And they know that they'll have eternal life, but they have forfeited God's peace right now because they are disobedient. There are Christians that, again, by their disobedience, by their turning away from God, they are forfeiting that perfect peace. By, you know what, they're doing their own thing, they're living for themselves, they're living for their own desires, the desires of the flesh. They, they're saying, God, I don't care about you right now, even though they know, they know, but they don't believe. Or they believe, perhaps in their 
mind, but they're not believing with their life, are they? They're disobeying. And so for many people, they disobey. Now you might say, well, pastor, what happens to these people? Now one of the things that we read in Hebrews, we saw it last week, and that those people who follow Jesus, those people that persevere to the end, that persevere to the end, it's those that are true followers of Jesus Christ. You can't lose your salvation because there's many people who never had it. But what it does mean is that there's going to be people that seem like they were Christians at one time, but they fall away. And if they never come back to Christ, it may be that they never truly believed in the first place. They say, Pastor, that, that sounds kind of harsh and not right. Listen, wasn't it exactly what Jesus tells us in the parable of the soils and the seed of the gospel, right? There's going to be some good seed or good, some seed in good soil, but there's going to be other types of soil that aren't so good and Get snatched away. And so, the reason I say that, though, is because the book of Hebrews is meant to put into us a sense of urgency. It's meant to say, listen, if you know people that are in disobedience to God, that is a warning sign. It's like one of those things that come on your dashboard of your car, right? He says, listen, you need to pay attention. If there's somebody that doesn't obey God and they're going their own way, he says, that's a bad sign. We need to tell them and reach them so that they can come back and experience God's rest. But here's the hope. Do you remember that prodigal son? He went out wild living, took his daddy's inheritance, squandered it, did all sorts of things, prepared to come back as a servant, but his father received him as a son. And so the hope is that even though, because I know that there's people here, you have a loved one, you have a child, or whoever it may be in your life, a friend, there's somebody in your life that is not following God and you worry about them. Remember I told you that story of Augustine at the beginning? What was very powerful is that he had a mother that prayed diligently for him. She never gave up on her wayward son her son that knew the truth of christianity but he was far away from god she never gave up and so when you see people that are in disobedience to god we reach them we pour out hearts into them we pray well, why else don't people enter into god's rest busyness, 
You see, one of the great tools of the devil is to be very, very busy. Now, sometimes there's a type of busyness that can be good, okay. There's a period of time. It's good to be busy. But you know what happens when we're overly busy? We don't rest in God. We don't seek God. Did you know in church and in ministry, you can be so busy that you never seek God? Did you know that you can do all sorts of things for God and never actually seek Him? It's possible. And there are many people in churches that are just busy, busy people, but they're far away from God's peace and presence. They're active on the outside, but they're dead and dying spiritually on the inside. You see them and you say, wow, they're, I mean, they're just a great Christian because I, they do all sorts of stuff for the church. And I mean, they're very, I mean, it's amazing. And listen, I'm not saying anything about people that are active in doing things. That's good. But always be careful that you aren't so busy that you put God on the back burner. Yes, serve God, but never forsake the main thing is that your relationship with him and there are scores of people that have been burned out because they are serving God in their own strength not his strength there are hundreds or thousands of pastors that give up in ministry because it's easy to become busy and also become dry you can prepare a thousand sermons and still be spiritually dry. You can lead thousand Bible studies or Sunday school classes and not know the presence of God. You can serve in every committee and not know God's peace. Don't be so busy. That you miss God's presence. Finally, why else don't people enter into God's rest? Religion. Religion. Now, I'm not one that always thinks the word religion is bad. Because obviously there's an overall sense that we practice Christian religion. But at the same time, you understand that religion in and of itself can lead to works. Religion, there's all sorts of outward trappings of being religious, doing certain things to please God. Religion can become all about works. Religious people are sometimes very outwardly Kind of similar to being busy, but they do all the right things. They go to church. They tithe. They're part of a Sunday school. They, again, they, maybe they're a deacon or a leader. Maybe they have, wear Christian t-shirts or they have a fish on the bumper of their car. They have a Christian flag in their house. Maybe they even have Christian 
paintings in their home. They, maybe their kids went to a Christian school or Christian college. Now, none of those things are wrong, are they? But none of those things allow you to enter into God's presence. I think I've said this before, but if I have it, I'll say it now. There will be many, many religious people in hell. Many times we think of hell being a place for just the wicked, but there will be many people, religious people, that will be in hell. You say, Pastor, I just uh, how, how can that be? I mean, they're, they're good people and they, they did all these things. Listen, the reason is because when we work in our own strength and we try to please God in religion, we are actually, if you will, and this is going to be sort of crass and I'm sorry, but it's like giving God the middle finger and saying, go away. It's like saying to God, I don't care about you. Get out of my life. I'm going to do it my way. And that's what religion can breed. I mean, it's telling the God of the universe, the God that made you, saying, butt out, God, I know what's best for me. And when you see it that way, you begin to understand the seriousness of why God takes that so seriously? Because you are rejecting God's plan. Because God said, listen, you don't enter into presence by being religious. You do it by belief. And believing. And when you reject God, God says, okay. Then you'll be separated from me for all eternity. If you want nothing to do with me now, you'll have nothing to do with me forever and ever. And there will be people who, instead of believing, because listen, you might say, well, Pastor, I mean, that seems just kind of, I don't know. People would rather be religious than just rest and believe in Jesus Christ. You might say, that doesn't make sense. Well, it does. Because you don't get any rewards for just, I mean, you get reward in heaven for believing Jesus, but you get no outward earthly rewards, do you? But when you're religious and you do all sorts of things, guess what? People see it and they recognize it. Wow, you're a good person. And you, it puffs you up a little bit. But admitting that you are not a good person and you're a sinner, that doesn't feel so good, does it? And so many people would rather take the religious route because it makes you feel good. The gospel says, no, you and I are not good people. You and I aren't okay. We are our good deeds are like filthy rags. We are broken. We are not right with God. That offends people. People are offended by that. But the gospel says, no, that's your state, and you need to come and believe in Jesus Christ, and you'll be whole.
But many people would rather earn their way. But they'll never get there. And so this rest, people, again, they don't believe. They're disobedient. They're busy. They're religious. But God says, listen, enter into my rest through my son, Jesus Christ. Have you entered into God's rest? Two facets. Have you believed Jesus Christ? Are you resting in your confidence of eternal life? But then two, are you living in that rest every day? Are you living knowing that you are secure in Christ? And that nothing in this world can draw you away. That He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. That you are secure in Him. Do you live that knowledge every day let us pray father we thank you for your word we thank you for the hope that we have in christ but father also thank you for the peace and the rest that we have in jesus lord a rest for eternal life but also a rest that we can experience here and now and Lord, for first I pray for maybe there's somebody here that's never fully believed in Christ. They've never trusted in Jesus. And I, I pray that this morning that if there's someone that's never trusted in Jesus, that they would come to believe in Him. And so Lord, I pray that you would stir somebody's heart to hear and receive and believe the gospel. But Father, I also pray for others who are believers, but Lord, in our life, we're not fully living in that rest that you offer. We're becoming too busy, or maybe even religion's creeping in, or some disobedience. Lord, there, there's somebody here, perhaps, that again, they're not resting in you. Lord, would you save them from that, Lord, that error? Lord, may we be people that have full peace in you. May we be people that in the midst of a chaotic world, that we would rest. So God, I pray that this morning you would speak to a restless heart. Maybe there's someone here that's burdened by worry, anxiety. Let them rest. Maybe there's somebody here that's been flirting with disobedience. The world's been tempting them in some way, God. Let them rest. Perhaps there's someone else that's so busy and they're doing all sorts of things. And Lord, they've, they've become so busy that they have no time for you. Let them rest. Perhaps there's some, Lord, that have been banking on their religion or their good deeds. May they rest in you by trusting Jesus Christ. Lord, whatever it may be, I pray that this morning that all of us would look at our hearts and determine, are we resting in you or in our own strength?
May you lead us in this time. In Jesus' name we pray.